afternoon and good evening. Wherever you may be listening, thank you very much for tuning in to the All You Listening Know podcast, where I will talk about any and everything. I am your host, Johnny, back at it again for another week. And yo, shout out to all the NFL fans out there that still have a team in the playoffs. Now, yes, I am salty that my team didn't even make the tournament, but I still want to give big ups and congrats to all of you. Of course, more on that later in the show, but just wanted to congratulate all you fans of those teams and say my deepest heartfelt condolences to the teams, the fans of the teams that didn't make it and to fans of teams that didn't make it, but then let you down again like the Cowboys fans. Nevertheless, though, nevertheless, wherever you may be listening, I hope you've had a very good week because I know that I have as well. All right, ladies and gents, thank you all for tuning in again today to listen to the show. I have a pretty uh, packed show for you guys, so thank you again for tuning in. I also want to let everybody know that, of course, the podcast is being played anywhere podcasts are being played nowadays. So whatever your favorite podcasting listening site is to listen to the show, you can always recommend to your family members, friends, or loved ones. You guys' word of mouth is one of my biggest helps when it comes to promoting the show. So I greatly appreciate each one of y'all for doing that. On those different platforms, there is a way to rate, comment about the show, and even subscribe to the show. That way, when I put out a new episode, it comes directly to you. So if you have not done that already on the platform you listen to, hit that subscribe button. Greatly help me out and make it a lot more easier and convenient for you to get to the show. Also, in the description of the show notes, I leave timestamps so that way you can listen to your favorite segment of the show. Of course, if you happen to be crunched for time and you can't listen to the entire show, you may see a segment that you want to listen to. So you can just instantly go to that part of the show. So look for those timestamps in the description. But on today's show, I wanted to kick off by talking about this past Monday in the U.S. We celebrated and remembered the life and work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and just how great of an impact he had in the nation back during the civil rights movement that lives on today. When I was thinking about that impact this week, it got me looking at how we are as a country when it comes to civil and societal perspectives since Dr. King's life. And even though I believe We have made very good and even some great gains. We still have a long way to go. Now, I know that depending on what the elites that we see and hear and a lot of the mainstream media talking points have said that most of that has helped shape our viewpoint on this subject. In the U.S., due to this and other factors like videos we have seen pertaining to police violence against minorities 
or elections showing that the first ever black woman, you know, getting elected to lieutenant governor of Virginia, that happening, it has caused this divide in the country with a lot of people thinking the U.S. hasn't changed at all from civil rights and a lot of other people thinking that the country has grown so much that racism no longer exists. Now, due to these drastic points of view, it has caused an unhealthy phenomenon with people grouping up with people that has the same views and not even wanting to have a conversation or even be around a person who doesn't share those same points of view. It has gotten so bad that this is even causing family members and longtime friends even to not want to speak to one another. In my opinion, this divide and ways of thinking is why the U.S., we are still dealing with many of the things that has plagued our nation from a civil rights and even a societal standpoint. I'm sure that everyone listening can agree with me that to be able to actually resolve and come up to any form of resolution in a disagreement, there has to be dialogue from one person to the other. We actually have to be willing to speak to one another. And on top of speaking, we also have to be willing to listen to the other side and not, you know, cut them off or counsel them. Now, the issue here outside of the before mentioned lack of speaking is just how that dialogue also is taking place. If both sides are coming to the table with their facts, but are failing to acknowledge the facts that the other side brings, then there is always going to be a breakdown with communication, which will normally lead to both sides going on the defense to defend their side or attacking the opposite side's perspective. And in my opinion, it actually makes sense that this is happening with such bold statements are being made and not all of them are actually based in facts that can't be disputed or debated. Let's take the items I mentioned earlier about some folks' opinions of America since the civil rights movement and legislation passed. There is no absolute facts that can be made based on these two viewpoints, drastic viewpoints that I talked about earlier, without the other side actually agreeing with some of what the other side is actually saying. But that would be too much like right if that actually were to happen. So instead, we just harp on the fact that one side saying that things haven't gotten any better since civil rights is a flat out lie. And the other side saying that racism doesn't exist is also a flat out lie. And how are we actually really going to have meaningful conversations if we are just willingly willing to lie and just stand by it? Now, if you think that this is actually the worst of it, it isn't. I actually have a theory as to why the media and the elites that run the country, because the country is really run by like top one, two percent. I have a theory on why they are making sure that we as citizens stay stuck in this state of division, because you would think that to actually get things done, 
coming together would actually be the way to go. There's a saying, such as a house um, divided will also fall. Now, my first reason, though, for me actually having this way of thinking is so that we actually don't realize just how many things that both sides, whether they be Democratic or Republican, actually agree upon that actually need to be changed, which can make our country better, but would hurt a lot of their actual self-interest. One example of this is the need to reform the pharmaceutical industry so they will stop making us pay absurd prices when it comes to medicines. And that is something I believe we can all agree upon, regardless of what side you're on. But has either side really actually talked about this? Not really, because the leaders we have in place really all agree on what these companies are doing. Same goes with the big old companies, people who run education, and a lot of other major factors about our society. Now, I think this was planned, in my opinion, I'm about to get a little conspiracy theorist, which is also why it's my opinion, but I think that a lot of this was actually planned to distract us into fighting one another and not paying attention to the things that Dr. King, for example, spoke about. No, I don't think the pandemic was planned for anybody who thinks I'm talking about that. No, I'm just talking about the political division. The division in the pandemic is just a basically a byproduct of the division that was already here. Dr. King had many speeches, so I won't go through all of them, but his speeches mainly focused and his main focal points in those speeches that I believe he was making was making sure that all people, no matter color or gender, would all be treated with the same level of fairness as the next person. He and many others knew how important this was and why it was necessary for us to get here. But as we currently are, we are a long way from getting to that dream that Dr. King spoke about. Now, the powers that be has actually contributed a lot to those lack of gains and has also, of course, made us lose focus for far too long on things that we actually need to really talk and conversate about. And I think it's time for us to stop giving into the radical far right and the radical far left and their language and actually acknowledge that there is truth in no matter who might actually say it. Kind of the whole standpoint of don't kill the messenger. If we can just get to, I believe, this point, then I believe the real conversations can actually be had again. Otherwise, it's more of us just talking to folks who we already agree with or it'll just continue to be slow growth as we have seen because again a divided house falls and america if we don't actually come together we will be that house that falls all right ladies and gents let's switch gears to this so the second round of the nfl playoffs are here and even though the stakes have not changed they cannot get any higher. Last week in the wild card round, I missed out on at least a five and one round. Thank you, 
Cowboys. And because of that, it had me going into this round of the playoffs instead with a four and two record, which is, you know, still all right. Nevertheless, though, let's dive into these picks since none of these games I feel are actually going to disappoint. We have four divisional round games. So let's start with the first one, which will be the Packers and the 49ers. So the Packers obviously was the number one seed in the NFC. So they had that bye week. So this will be that first game playing. The game is in Lambeau. The 49ers, after their upset, even though a lot of people was picking that upset, not me, but anyway, coming off their upset of the Cowboys, but coming into Green Bay. Now, the 49ers are a dangerous team because of exactly what a lot of people, and I even mentioned it too last week too, about how the 49ers could win. They play defense extremely well. Now, granted, that loss to Bosa, we'll, we'll see if he actually is going to get right. Because if he's out, then the 49ers really have no shot in this game. But if he can play, then the 49ers, with that same formula, how they beat Dallas, has a chance. Now, I'm picking the Packers because I don't see them going into Green Bay and doing the Green Bay what they did to Dallas. Aaron Rodgers will probably, well, should actually win the MVP this year. And, well, I think everybody knows he's better than Dak Prescott. The Cowboys, as great of a receiving trio as they have, none of those receivers are Devontae Adams. They don't have a running back like Aaron Jones in the backfield either. So I think Green Bay is going to win this game. And I think they're going to win it. Mm. I won't say like super comfortably, but I think they're going to cover. I believe the line is uh, six points. So I can see Green Bay winning by a touchdown. I can see that. Maybe even 10 points. But I have Green Bay in this game. Next game I'm picking is the Bengals and the Titans. So Bengals last week beat the, beat the Raiders. The Bengals were at home, though, and the Bengals are really, really good at home. The Bengals this year have not been bad on the road, but they've been a better home team than a road team. Joe Burrow for the next 10 years, and I can see him winning the league MVP as long as he stays healthy at some point. The Bengals also have obviously great skill players around him. Of course, Jamar Chase is phenomenal. Joe Mixon is no slouch out the backfield either. So they have some weapons in their defense, you know, isn't like stout, but they're, you know, they're pretty good. They're playing against the Tennessee Titans, who again, number one seed in the AFC, which surprised a lot of people, including me. Um, I think I actually kind of gave them some good luck by picking against them a lot this year because I wanted my coach to win the division. But anyway, number one seed at home, Ryan Tannehill, if you look at his season numbers, didn't actually play great. But the but their coach, Mike Vrabel, who, I, I, I if I remember correctly, I don't think he actually coached under Belichick. I know he played for the Patriots, and maybe he's a part of the Belichick tree, but I'm not sure. I think he just retired and then just came back and just started coaching or something. I, I don't remember. I got to look that up. But anyway, I like Mike Vrabel as a coach. I think he's actually pretty underrated. And the Tennessee Titans overall have a very good football team. 
Now, having said that, guess what? This is actually kind of going to be my upset because Tennessee is actually favored in this game only by three and a half points, which anybody who knows about line betting, the home team gets three points automatically. So Vegas believes they're slightly better than the Bengals. But I think the Bengals are going to beat the Titans. I just have this feeling. It wouldn't shock me if the Titans won, but I think the Bengals are going to go in and actually beat them, which will be incredible considering second year in the league. But I have Bengals over Titans. The next game on my list, I have the Buccaneers and the Rams. This is going to be a great, I mean, all these games are going to be great, but this right here is a great, great game. The Rams played the Buccaneers earlier in LA this year and beat them. And typically when that happens, the team that lost normally can come, can look at the tape, learn what they did wrong, clean up some things and actually get better. Now I'm going to go ahead and sum this up. I won't go into too much analysis of this game, but I would just tell you, I am picking the Bucks in this game for one reason only. Until somebody beats Tom Brady, I ain't picking against Tom Brady. Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. Until I'm, I'm serious. Until I watch a game in the playoffs with Tom Brady's team, and when you look at the clock in the game and that thing says final and his team is behind on points, that that's it. I'm not picking against Tom Brady in the playoffs. I'm picking the Buccaneers based off of that. Could the Rams win? Sure, they have enough talent, but I'm going to have to see it to believe it. And until then, Bucks over Rams. And the last game on my list, which is also, man, this is like an AFC championship game, but just being played in the second round, is the Bills and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are at home. And honestly, from top to bottom on the coup, the Bills are a better team. Then the Chiefs, they they really are. When you look at the Vegas line, the Chiefs are only a point and a half favorite, which basically means Vegas believes that Buffalo is a better team too. I do too. But with Kansas City being an arrowhead, being the two-time AFC champions, if you will, I, again, much like Brady, I'm going to have to see somebody beat the Chiefs for me to actually believe somebody is. Until I see Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes losing the playoffs, I'm going with the Chiefs. Could Buffalo go in there with the upset and beat the Chiefs? They absolutely could. Josh Allen, uh, Stephon Diggs, Singletary, that running back who actually is kind of underrated in my opinion. Look, they have a very good team, and that defense is really underrated too. They, they're bend break. They're not, and they do not give up rushing yards. And again, the Chiefs don't run the ball that much anyway. But still, Bill's defense is pretty good, but I'm picking the Chiefs in this game. So that's so that's my picks for this week. I have Packers over 49ers. Bengals is, is an upset, really, over the Titans, the Buccaneers over the Rams, and then I have the Chiefs over the Bills this week. So we'll see how that plays out. I tell you what, my Super Bowl pick, I actually had the Packers and the Chiefs in the in the Super Bowl. So we'll see. Um, so far, I think that my picks are going to move forward um, to their championship games, but uh, we will see. All right, ladies and gents, let's go ahead and switch gears 
and get into last segment of the show. And it has been uh, a year since President Biden has been in office now. And I think anyone that has been paying attention knows that he has been an absolute failure as a leader and president so far in his first year. I think obviously every Republican says that. And I think a lot of Democrats are actually on that side too. There's still a few people, you know, stragglers over there, but they'll quickly join this side here and actually acknowledge that. Heck, I'm sure some of you listening overseas knows it too. Y'all not even in the United States. Um, now, I could do what um, everyone else in the media and around is seeming to do, which is take shots at the guy. Um, but there have been enough of that to go around. So I thought what I would do instead is talk about some things that he can do going forward in his last three years of his presidency to become a better leader than he has been. Now, with everything that has gone wrong during his first year of his presidency, if I did a list based on that, it would be pretty long. So I'm just going to actually boil it down to about four things that I feel he could do to, of course, help restore some faith in the American people. The first thing that he could do is actually start to take questions more often and not from specific reporters. There was a report out of the Atlantic back late last year that mentioned that he was only taking questions from certain reporters that he called on that were kind of like already knew that he was going to ask them. And those reporters he was calling on a pro Biden, which by the way, no member of the press, mind you, in my opinion, should be pro anybody. I do know that's the way of the world currently, but it's just my opinion. I don't think anybody in the press should be pro anything. They should just be pro fact and getting and asking those questions to get that. Now, I believe that taking questions from reporters, from all reporters, which means that he would, that he will get asked some tougher questions. Well, at the very least, let us hear from people who doesn't always agree with what he is doing and will give him an opportunity to address those things and maybe allows him to own some things instead of deflecting everything like he and his staff has been so far. My second thing is to pass something, some legislation that is actually meaningful. Yes, I know that technically this falls on Congress to do more so than the president, but pressuring them to actually pass something that affects the everyday individual, I believe will be huge. The infrastructure bill and the child tax credit bill were nice, but let's be honest, it really didn't do anything that will bring real impact to our lives. The latest thing that they're talking about now is voting rights and look here only the super elites and maybe a couple of people who are paying attention actually care about voting rights the average person does not give a crap about voting rights ask a person hey what would you rather them do talk about voting rights or 
do something that'll actually help put more food in your table. They're going to talk about that. They want that. Now, I bet if you pass the bill, for example, to do away with even a small percentage of student loan debt, I ain't even talking about all of it. I'm just talking about just some part of student debt or helping to do something about the supply chain issue that's causing empty store shelves, something like that, passing some legislation for something like that. Now that is meaningful impact. Third on my list would be that he needs to take a page out of Trump's book. Yeah, I said it and actually challenge China or at least give an impression like you are. Now, I know that the U.S. is so far in bed with China that we might as well admit that we are common law married at this point. But with a lot of things, we have allowed them to almost bully us and take our lunch money. For example, we aren't even allowed to say anything about their government that we disagree with without them not only censoring us there, but also making us censor our own selves here too, which is absurd. I know that the U.S. owes China about $1.1 trillion, but him standing up to them, or at least giving us the perception that he is, will go a long way to at least making us believe that he ain't no punk leader. Last but not least is him doing a better job of him handling this pandemic. No matter, since again, we've made this a size thing, so I'm just speaking about what is versus what it should be, but no matter where, whether you are pro-vax or anti-vax, I think that we can all agree that Biden's handling of this pandemic has only made things worse and has caused more harm and uncertainty with just what we need to do as individuals to prepare for when the virus knocks on your front, back, or side door. Now, what he should do is fire Dr. Fauci MP. The MP stands for medical politician, by the way. And Rochelle Walsenskai, probably butchered that, but whatever. She's the head of the CDC. And put folks in place that will actually talk about all of the science that can help us combat the virus instead of a science based on agenda that just leads to more confusion and even more mistrust. Heck, I believe him just doing this alone will cause him to be at the very least a good president. Now, Biden has three more years in office, so he has time to do some of these things and other things that could help boost his popularity and his poll numbers, which I know poll numbers don't say a lot, but right now his poll numbers are so low at the moment that not even a world famous yoga instructor could get under it. All right, ladies and gents, that is it for today's show. Thank you very much again for tuning in. Again, if you like what you're listening to here, Hey, subscribe to the show on those different platforms. Tell your family members, friends, and loved ones about the show. I will greatly appreciate that. Until next week, I will talk to you all later. Peace.